So my title is A Same Person But a Different Heart. My scripture reading is taken from 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verses 6 and 9. 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verses 6 and 9. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. So I have four questions for us to begin with. And they'll come up on the screen just now. My first question is, were we not made new at the point of salvation? Were we? Were we made new? What do we do with the changed heart, therefore, that God has given us? Do we remember what changed? And are we living for God with everything we have been given? (laughs) So the story, Israel rejects God. Israel did not trust God to rule over them. After the prophet Samuel was aging, and he was handing over to his sons. The Israelites didn't like what his sons were doing for they didn't serve with the same heart and attitude as their father, the prophet Samuel, had been serving. So they didn't trust God to look after them, the children of Israel. They didn't like what was happening, so they took into their own hands I ask a question just here. Are our children, whether they're physical children that we have born, whether they are spiritual children, are they like us? Or could it be said that we have not been a good example or that we've been a good example but they're not following us? Are our children like us? And if they are, are we happy with what we're showing who we are, how we're displaying God. Do we live lives of a good report that others would follow us, especially our children? But rather than appealing to God directly, the children of Israel demanded to be like other nations and to have a king. That's what every other nation looked like. They had their own king looking after them, ruling them, And Israel wanted to be like them. So what did they lose in this attitude? They lost their distinction from the other nations. Exodus 33 verse 16 tells us that when the cloud was following the children of Israel by day and the pillar of fire by night, that showed the presence of God was with them. Moses had said to the Lord, please don't take your presence from us, for the only thing that distinguishes us from every other nation of the world is your presence. But in this moment, the children of Israel decided not to be different, decided not to be godlike, but wanted to be like 
the other nations around them. What about us? Are we distinguished from the non-believers around us? Are we distinguished from Christians who have a show of godliness but no power thereof? Are we different? Are we different? Even though the Lord had told Israel what would happen, how the kings would let them down, control, rule, take from them, they still rebelled and they demanded a king. So the first appointed king of Israel was Saul, a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin, who is Benjamin? The second favorite son of Jacob. Joseph was his favorite, and Benjamin his second and his youngest son from the wife that he loved so much. But the Benjamite tribe developed into being a warrior-like people They obtained skills in archery, in slinging rocks, and in fighting with their left hand too, which gave them advantage over the enemy. Later, they controlled the major city of Jerusalem in early Jewish history, the Benjamites. They further united with Judah to control the southern kingdom when Israel split ten and two kingdoms. And it's possible that many modern-day Jews are descended from either Judah or Benjamin. So Saul was strong, and he was from a strong warrior heritage. Is that a good choice for a king, perhaps? So how was it that God changed this Benjamite man, Saul? And for what purpose was Saul changed God sends Saul an unexpected and amazing encounter. If you read in 1 Samuel chapter 9, you will see that he began his journey looking for his father's donkeys. He ends up meeting the seer, Samuel, the prophet, and his plans are changed. His life is changed. He didn't think for one moment that he would become the king of a nation when he set out to search for the donkey, donkeys of his father. He wasn't expecting to do anything as great as becoming the king of a nation. In fact, when they were appointing him king, he ran and hid because of the humility of his heart and also his own thoughts about himself. I'm nothing, I'm nobody. Who am I that I should be chosen for this? But let's go back to that text. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Both those terms, God gave him another heart and the terms where he was turned into another man come from a word that I won't pronounce. But a primitive root is to turn about or over to change, to overturn, uh, even to return something. But the, the one I like is that it says to be converted. So there was a conversion that took place in Saul's heart. He turned, gave him another, we find the word converted. So God changed Saul from the inside out, but for a purpose. And change of heart 
is always for a purpose. Changing a man, a woman, is always for a purpose. God changed Saul purposefully to purpose and ready and equip him for the task of leading a nation, for the task of becoming a king. How was he changed? His heart, as we've said, was changed. And God today is working in the hearts of so many of you. He received an empowering and an enablement from the Holy Spirit of the living God. He had more strength in his body, although understand he was a head taller than the whole nation of Israel, a handsome, strapping man. But his attitude was humble. Whether a righteous humbleness or not, he didn't think himself, I should be king. He was humble. Why me? And early, as he began this journey, he sought the guidance and prayers of God. He would ask the prophets, what is God saying? Shall I go into battle with this nation? What is God saying? He wanted to hear from God. It was paramount to him. So he was changed from a man looking for his father's donkeys into this incredible godlike man with a new heart. Now, isn't that just like us at Salvation, made new from the inside out? But do we stay new in our deeds and in our actions? In other words, is it possible to be made new but not behave new? So God moves the heart of man for his purpose and for his service. I just want to share a couple of scriptures to show that it says that this is what God does in his word. And so in the book of Ezra chapter 1, we look at verse 1 where it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put in writing. And, and, and Cyrus begins by saying, The Lord, the God of heaven. He wasn't a believer, King Cyrus. Yet God moved on his heart to make a proclamation about God and about the children of Israel. King Cyrus was used for God's purpose to release the children of Israel to build God's own temple in verse 5 of that same chapter. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart had God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. So God moved on the hearts of a number of people and they said, yes, we will go and we will build. He moved on the heart of Cyrus, a king, and moved on the heart of the people to build. Let's go over to the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Hmm. I just believe that God has been doing that for so many weeks and months now in us, his people. Removing the hearts of stone and giving us hearts of flesh, alive again, new. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you, 
and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So many of us can testify to being filled with the same Holy Spirit that God was saying there, that I will put my spirit in you. And it's the same Holy Spirit who rushed upon Saul so that he would prophesy and be changed into another man. We have been given the same Holy Spirit. We have been equipped with what it takes in this time to serve God and to show his glory in the earth, to bring his kingdom here. Are we doing it? Are we bringing his kingdom into our communities, into our lives, into our everyday situations? Or are the old ones of us creeping up again? Back to Saul. Now, three years into Saul's reign, he acted wrongly. He stopped obeying the command of the Lord, and he lost the kingdom. The kingdom was torn from him. And that meant that his children would never inherit and become the next kings. It was given to another man because of disobedience. So God had made Saul, given him a new heart, turned him into another man, and yet he could still act wrongly. He could still revert. He could still change his mind, even though God had equipped him. God had said in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, that obedience is better than sacrifice. He wasn't asking them to make sacrifices and burnt offerings and that, 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 that would cleanse them. He wanted obedience more than anything. That is what matters to the Lord. That we hear his word and we obey him because he has purpose in every life. He has plans for each of us. And if we obey, we will step into his plans. We will step into his call. We see that the changed heart was not necessarily therefore in Saul a change that remained permanent. And Saul still had the choice to remain obedient or not. In um, 1 Samuel chapter 12, I just want to read what um, the prophet said from verse 14, I think. Oh, no, it's not. It's okay. I've written down the wrong scripture because I messed up my notes. But there's a place where the Lord is commanding King Saul and Israel. And it says he's talking to the nation, he's talking to their chosen king. That if you will obey, I will be with you. If you will not, you will be given into the hands of the enemy. So God still sets it up for them. You've got a king with a new heart, but do what I say so that it will be well with you. What does disobedience look like? Why do we revert to our old ways?
because it is the same with us that even though we are a new creation at our rebirth, and even though we become submitted to God and his word, we still have to choose to remain. And many people are stuck. They've been serving God, and they've moved forward, and they're not moved forward, and they're not, but they can't break through. Something is separating each person from their call, from the ultimate purpose that God has set. Let me give a typical example among the body of Christ, which is difficult, which is forgiveness. We can be going about our daily lives blessing people, reading the word of God, getting revelation, and yet when we try to step forward, something hinders us. Is there a spirit inside of us that says, you can't forgive that hurt, that wrong, that injustice? That alone, not forgiving, would still separate you from fulfilling your purpose in Christ. These weeks we have been in our Wednesday prayers, we've moved towards getting closer to the presence of God. The closer we get, the light shines on us. What is in our hearts? What needs to change? We've been bringing our hearts honestly before God. Today we've examined ourselves during communion. (sighs) Is God showing us anything that would separate us from his purpose? Or are we going to stay stuck, reverted, because we get to that position, no, 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 I can't do that. The third question that I posed earlier on was, do we remember what changed about us? What changed in us at salvation and in our journey with the Lord? Do we remember what the Lord has done for us? So having our communion this morning was really timely. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 tells us this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, obviously, I do speak to myself this scripture because I'm still young at heart. (laughs) Remember. Why would the Bible tell us to remember our creator? What do we need to remember to keep us from a walk of disobedience that can hinder our walk and purpose in God? We need to remember who God is what he set us free from, being bound to sin. We've been set free from it. We've been set free from it. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. So we don't need to walk in it. What he's done for us so far in our lives. We're speaking earlier on about thankfulness. We need to remember his suffering, his death. Remember his resurrection. Remember his promises of hope and eternal life. A few scriptures that show us the importance of remembering. Psalm 
103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So the psalmist is telling us, don't forget who he is, what he does. Psalm 119 verse 55, I remember your name in the night. I love this. O Lord, and I keep your law. Because the psalmist remembers the Lord's name in the night, the action out of that is, I obey you, I keep your law, I do what you say, because I remember you. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began. Eternal life is promised us. Why do we sometimes forget that? As we shared earlier again in the, Lord's, uh, in, in the Lord's Supper, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink in remembrance of me. Jesus asks or, or instructs his disciples, remember me. So remembering him is important. Remembering what he has done is important. Jesus reminded them, this keeps us connected and strengthens us to continue in obedience to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we're reminded, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We took on, when we became born again, a new existence in which God's spirit rules, restoring us to the purpose for which God originally created us. But it takes a life of obedience to God. If we take up sin again and again and we don't repent, we're behaving like the same person we were. But today, we need to be the same person, the Claudette Hitchman, but with that new heart always functioning and always operating with a different heart. Paul warns of this in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. As God's co-workers, or even verse 6, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Yeah, verse 1. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. We've received his grace. We've received salvation. Does it serve a purpose or is it in vain? For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. What are we doing with this salvation? So Saul lost his kingship and the kingdom of Israel because he disobeyed the Lord. Now, depending on where one sits, if we continue to walk in disobedience, like Saul, something will be torn from us. Some might say, our salvation is torn from us. Others might say, our reward is torn from us. I'm not here to discuss each uh, school of thought today. I'm not speculating on that. But I am saying that disobedience separates us. And so we lose something until we repent, until we pick up that new heart again. We could lose what God has purposed us to do in the here and now. 
So we need to remember what he's done, why we received a new heart, why we received new life. The messages we've had over recent Sundays have seemed to lead us to the same place. Get closer to God. Desire him. Walk with him. Stay with him. Be with him. It takes an absolute consciousness of the Lord all of the time in our lives. That daily, minute-by-minute walk with him. Is it possible? The Bible says, speak to one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs. Is it possible that we can have an absolute continual consciousness of the Lord all of the time? While we're cooking, while we're looking after our families, while we're working, while we're in education. Is it possible that our consciousness of the Lord would lead us to standing in a shopping queue and suddenly desiring to speak into somebody's life that we don't know? Because we're so conscious and hearing the person's cry or need or desire for God. Or do we blindly go about forgetting what he's done, who he is, why he gave us a new heart? I want to encourage us today that we should do all it takes to not be separated from him by our daily choices in life. Let us not reject God like Israel did. I want to be the same Claudette that he created with the different heart. The heart that he gave me. The heart that allows him to rule, reign, control my life. How about you?